And I just feel like my life can really be um, kind of divided into pre-coaching and then post-coaching Victoria. Um, and so I think before coaching, I was pretty much on autopilot. Hey friend, it's David Abinsky here in Brooklyn. Here at Portfolio Career Podcast, we help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's guest is Victoria Song. Uh, Victoria began her career as a venture capitalist investor. Uh, she was named um, on Forbes 30 Under 30 list for her investment success. During that process, she actually had some epiphanies. She had some epiphanies about the type of life that she wanted to live, and that led to her um, eventually writing a new book um, called Bending Reality, How to Make the Impossible Probable um, that came out in the summer of 2021. We talked about the book, some of the core ideas on how to, how you can improve your mindset, um, your quality of life, and so much more. Um, one of the really interesting takeaways from this episode is around the role of coaching that Victoria's had in her life. Um, she currently is a coaching advisor, but um, has worked with over 24 coaches herself. Um, so really interesting to think about um, the role of coaching and how to how it's been impactful to, for her and just kind of the overall kind of coaching ecosystem and more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Victoria. Victoria, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Good to be here. Well, I'm in New York and you've got a beautiful background. We won't, we won't talk about too much of the different locations for, for listeners because the, the conversation is the most important thing here. But I was really curious kind of before we kind of dove into some stuff was you worked with 24 different coaches. Yeah, 25 now, actually. <laughs> and counter. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that as, you know, somebody who does advisory and does coaching work, but also you know, 24 now, 25 coaches. Talk to us a little bit about, yeah, what's that been like, how you decide on coaches and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, there's a term in the tech world, which is like being a power user of, you know, early adopting products. And I definitely was a power user of coaches, like sometimes having four up to four coaches at the same time. Um, and they were for different parts of my life. Like I've hired health coaches, life coaches, business coaches, sex coaches, really every area that I discover is like another area of my life that I, you know, could use more freedom, um, more magic, more empowerment in. Um, and so that includes relationships, love, everything. Um, and so, you know, when I first started, it was actually a good friend of mine named Yuri Kim, who works at Forerunner Ventures. And I had asked a bunch of my friends if they had a good speaking coach, like someone who could help me with my polish as a speaker. And um, she said, I don't have one of those, but I have a life coach. And this was in 2013. And I'd never heard of a life coach at that point. Um, and so I hopped in a call and asked her if, you know, working with her would improve my speaking abilities. And naturally, as you know, what coaching is, she's like, yeah, we're going to work on your confidence and that will naturally, you know, fold into your speaking abilities. And so I was sold on, okay, if this helps my speaking, I'll sign up for this. Um, and I just feel like my life can really be, um, kind of divided into pre-coaching and then post-coaching Victoria. Um, and so I think before coaching, I was pretty much on autopilot 
um, not aware of all my patterns, programming, conditioning, the ways I was just living out what I was taught either from my Chinese upbringing or from the culture that I was in or my friend groups. And then once I hired my first coach, I like really feel like I woke up in a way and I was like, wow, I didn't realize um, all the ways that things were replaying, whether it was a romantic partnership, repeating the same patterns, or it was being an overachiever and like not actually knowing what I wanted or like what kind of career would make me happy, but just sort of doing the thing that's not an impressive to the outside world. Um, and then once I got my first taste of coaching, then it was like, anytime I met somebody who had a great coach that they were raving about. I was like, I have to try a session. Um, and 25 coaches only counts the coaches whom I actually engaged in a long-term kind of container with. Uh, so that doesn't include like the one-off weekend retreats or workshops or, you know, immersive events that I've done with even more coaches than that. Um, this really just includes the, the individuals that I actually was with, you know, for months at a time. Wow. Power user of coaching. Um, but the impact that it had, that's, that's really incredible. Um, and just love hearing, um, the kind of pre and post, uh, coaching Victoria and stuff in that story. Um, and I'm sure that's probably helped you been able to, um, learn, uh, also how other coaches operate, uh, Mm -hmm. to learn how to, how they position themselves, how they price themselves, et cetera. Um, I remember, I forget it was maybe 2016 ish. Uh, and I remember uh, me talking with a friend and he talked about, I think it was like martial arts coaching. Mm. And he was like, um, we were like talking about a bunch of different things. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to get a, a martial arts coach because I want to get to like X level really quickly. And I want to, I want to try it out. And I want to, you know, kind of like the 80, 20 rule. I want to, I think a coach can just get me to a certain point where then I know what it's like to have some type of proficiency in this. And I, I just, it was kind of this, this aha moment I had, or just a big like light bulb went off then. Um, was like, wow, that's that's pretty incredible um, to think about like that. Yeah, I think that in athletics, you know, the world of athletics, it's very common to have a coach. It's considered like high performance to be your best version of you as an athlete. In the Olympics, we all have coaches, um, but it's kind of still a novel idea that in the leadership realm or the business realm, that to be your best, highest performing leader, you actually do want support. Someone who can point out your blind spots, someone who is trained in the psychology of understanding your leadership, your patterns, your programming, and, and really to bring out your, like, as you mentioned, your fullest potential, right? The startup of you, like, how can you reach your fullest potential and where are your limiting beliefs and fears actually keeping you playing really small? and um, kind of playing it safe within the comfort zone where you're not really willing to take the big risks um, that are required to actually be surprised with, you know, the greatness that you can be if you really reach your full potential. Yeah. Has working with all these different coaches, how's that changed? Um, Kind of like one thing that I think uh, is unfortunate is like the hard work of coaches finding clients, right? There's the, like, got to be good at your craft. And then you also have to find find people and it's just not as much of a kind of mature market and was just kind of curious as to like, what would you say to that? Like, you know, person that's in the beginning of their coaching journey has, you know, believes in themselves and the work that they're doing, but is struggling to find clients. Has there been any like hacks or yeah, just different things that have worked for you or some of the other coaches as to kind of have a good pipeline or get reimbursement or 
things of that nature, Victoria? Yeah, I do think that at the beginning, you know, I think this is probably true with all work is just find this first handful and just do an extraordinary job, you know, because I do think that this business is so word of mouth and it's very much referral based for me personally. And so um, I know that there are a lot of people who want to get like the perfect Facebook post or the perfect Instagram and like the messaging that points their pain point of their ideal customer and does all of that kind of marketing. Um, and I think that, you know, rather than talk about how amazing your services are, it's just important to deliver an amazing service, um, have people who feel like compelled to share about it. Cause I do think that when you focus more on just helping people and supporting people, then those people will naturally talk about, you know, their experience with you and people won't recommend something unless it was actually extraordinary. And so I think just focus on your craft and really nailing down, like, how can I help and serve, um, and then trust that that will be enough to, um, yeah, to have the ripple effect of reaching more people from that. Yeah. I love that. And, and, um, it also like, no matter what, like you said, it's word of mouth. And if you do really well, then the word will kind of spread. Um, I could see how sometimes can be hard of like, Hey, I was, you know, was depressed. And then this coach really helped me out and people may not want to talk about the the journey and stuff and talk about the problems that they had before. But I love your message. It's just like, Hey, if you're good, you're good. And people will talk about that no matter what. Um, and your kind of journey into coaching, um, and we'll talk about your book as well, but talk to us a little bit about like that transition from VC, the venture capital and investing space to now coaching and advising work. Like what, um, cause it sounded like you really liked investing what about coaching was really appealing to you? Yeah, I think for me, I started investing when I was 23 and it was just such a remarkable opportunity to have um, access and exposure to executives and leaders and entrepreneurs and kind of this whole exploding startup world that was super sexy, you know? Um, and so I entered it when I was in, it was 2010 when I entered venture capital and I loved it, um, but I did see something that I think kind of resulted in like a bit of an existential crisis or awakening, which is that I found that the, the, the trade-offs and the cost, and you kind of spoke to this at the start of our call, which is like what people were willing to sacrifice in the name of money, in the, way, in the name of success or reputation or status or power, which just was a cost that I, I wasn't really wanting to support. You know, I didn't want people to be sacrificing their marriages or their health or their quality of life or their fulfillment or their well-being just to, you know, have amass more influence, more power, more money, you know, for what purpose, for what ends. And as a VC, you know, I was focused on helping institutions and our LPs make more money, but I sort of realized like, what's the point of finding technologies that help us save time or extend our lifetime? And when I looked around, it felt like, so many people I knew and saw didn't know how to feel good with the limited time we already had, you know? Um, and these were my clients, colleagues, friends, my own family. I think the first time I saw this was within my own family system, which just, um, the level of achievement at all costs, the level of growth at all costs in the startup world. And, um, when I looked at even like the billionaire successful founders, I saw that they weren't very happy, you know, like they knew how to have a good time occasionally, but it was all sort of a distraction. It was almost like a void that they couldn't fill no matter how busy they were, no matter how distracted they try to make themselves, um, no matter how big their missions were on the planet. It was like, it was unable to fill a void and that, 
resulted in a lot of like sadness and grief for me. Like I actually remember this night, I call it my existential awakening, but it was like, I cried for hours wondering like, how can we go to work? while like, these are our friends and our family that are not happy. And we're kind of just pretending like it's all fine. And as long as we can entertain ourselves and distract ourselves with work and some good times and like, it's all okay. And, um, and I think it was in that moment, um, this was in 2016 that I, um, I kind of knew that staying in VC probably wasn't my path forward. Like I didn't know I was going to do coaching, but I did feel like, gosh, I feel called to figure this out. Like, I think wealth and power and success has a bad reps to date because of the way it's been accumulated, you know, because of the costs and the sacrifices and the ways in which it's been amassed. And I think that's why people kind of look down on those who have money, power, and influence. But I believe that if we're able to learn a new way, which is that succeeding and making money from a place of our joys, our passions, our gratitude, our excitement, a sense of abundance and peace and like wanting to make a difference in the world, then all of a sudden, like we'll see this alignment of people making a lot of money, doing what they love, doing something that's good for the planet. And that was a paradigm that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and so I left venture capital, just knowing that like I needed to figure out, you know, how to make this happen for me, for my loved ones, for the world. Um, and then naturally, you know, I think because I was such a power user of coaches, um, such a believer in this being such a high impact way to influence people and just the powerful ripples of getting to work with leaders, you know, who already have companies and um, communities around them. It felt like such a natural transition for me to go from investing in founders to now coaching founders and to supporting them in not just having an epically successful business, but in making sure that their quality of life is great, that their health is great, that their love lives, that their family lives, that everything is thriving. And, um, and that's really what I'm a stand for. And I'm hoping that through the, the work that I'm doing on the planet, we get to create this new paradigm for power, success, and wealth. Mm. Wow. It's a lot in there. Um, and um, before I forget this idea of, uh, sounds like from all the different coaches that you've had, you'd be able to support your not clients to be like, oh, you need, you know, nutritionist. I've worked with someone you need, uh, dance coach. I don't know if you, you know, dance coach. I love but... dancing. Do you know I dance? <laughs> no. uh, so you need a dance coach. Here's the dance coach. You need a, you know, creative coach. Here's a creative coach. Right. So that's, uh, uh, usually it's like, uh, yeah, you just have a big, um, offering or potential people to, to help out your clients. And that's really, um, yeah, it's a probably, you probably didn't think about that when you were a power user of coaching of like, wow, I'm going to have this huge roster of different people that I could provide or offer or recommend to, uh, your eventual clients. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting how, when you look backwards, you're like, oh, it all connects. All the dots connect perfectly. <laughs> that <laughs> thing was random. <laughs> yeah. I've been kind of joking around recently. It's like, so like in 2018, I was like, trying to be a chief of staff or I was like applying for chief of staff jobs. Didn't get it. Uh, and then now years later, I'm now, um, supporting and helping chief of staff leaders, uh, do better at their job, uh, learn from like-minded, uh, chief of staff leaders, and then help them if they're potentially seeking to transition out of the role. Um, so it's just kind of interesting of like, I haven't been able to like think about the right thing if it's like, if you can't do it, support it, or if you can't be it, 
help it or or if you can't do it like share about it something along those lines i'm not that witty maybe you are victoria but just something of like if you can't do it help out something like that yeah i I do think that the thing that we struggled with the most becomes a thing we could probably teach on the best Mm. Mm. because of the struggles to try to figure something out yeah i so it kind of relates to your question of like what do i recommend to coaches which is ultimately like we all have something that we have deeply embodied because it was our own pain, our own struggle, our own journey. And I think if you're the kind of coach that just maybe intellectually learned content and did some trainings and workshops and feel like, therefore you want to coach, like that's great. And you can be a fine coach, but I do think the things that will be most potent where people can feel almost like an energetic transmission in their being, when you talk to them are going to be the things that you had personal experience. Like you went through the struggle, you know, what it feels like you can, you're really speaking from such an integrated place. It's not in your head. It's not like an intellectual concept, but it's like a deeply embodied knowing and wisdom that then you can share on in a way that just lands in such a deeper way than kind of just mentally understanding something. Yeah. Um, I've sometimes struggled with like, uh, kind of blind spots around some of the things that we're good at. So maybe I need a coach to help support and say, these are the things that you're really good at. And these are the things that you can support other people with, but that's a whole nother topic. Um, but, um, all right. And then we were talking about a little bit earlier. So you said you're on this mission. Thanks for sharing the extra, extra central crisis that you had. Um, seems like that was a real powerful moment. And then you were kind of figuring things out. Um, and then you decided to write a book in one week. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many layers to this story. Um, I'm actually going to share a version of this that I haven't even talked publicly about, um, because I was just telling my partner about it last night, which is, um, I teach a lot of, um, as I'm talking about like somatic embodiment work, which is like understanding the wisdom that's held in our bodies. And, um, I, you know, I've been asked this by my coaches and I also have asked my clients that when something is in pain or we're feeling numb, you can actually take a moment and ask that part of your body, like what's going on? Like, what do you need from me? What do you want from me? It could be a headache. It could be a stomach ache. You know, um, I did this with my partner the other day cause he kept getting like really tightening in his stomach. And then when I asked him this question, he was like, I'm feeling like my inner child is actually very unsafe. So it was like clear that his stomach that was causing like acid reflux was coming from this unsafety. Um, anyway, about my book, um, I was tuning into my womb space, um, my cervix area at the time. And I was asking it like, what do you want from me? Like what? Yeah. Basically like, what can I do to support? And, um, the response that I got in the moment, and it sounds so strange was like, go birth your unique creation, like go birth something. And it didn't mean like literally go have a baby. It was, it was very clear to me that it was about idea and inspiration and similar to how, you know, we, um, may physically abort in our our womb, like a baby or child. I realized that so much of my um, professional career, I had actually aborted a lot of ideas that I had, and maybe you can relate to this, but like, for whatever reason, maybe because I was afraid of failing in a way that I'd failed before, or I was I was worried about what people might think or embarrassed or didn't feel ready. Didn't have the confidence yet. I've had plenty of ideas and inspiration that I just didn't follow through on. And so when I got this voice or download uh, to go birth my original creation, it was like super crystal clear. And I was like, okay, great. I'll do it. Like I'm not game. And then within 24 hours of having that conversation with my body, 
um, I started getting downloads, which were like, I felt like I was almost like a satellite connected to the internet of the collective consciousness, you know, like it felt like I could Google, like by asking any questions and I would get instant responses. Um, and, um, you know, fast forward, I was talking to my brother on the phone and he's an older brother, five years older. And I don't know if you have siblings, but, um, are you younger or older? I'm in the middle of two, uh, sisters. Okay. Well, maybe sister's a little bit nicer, but my older brother definitely doesn't think I'm very cool. So most of the time when I'm talking, he's kind of tuning out, like he's not really listening. (laughs) Um, and I swear like on the phone with him this time around, I'd never seen him more present or engaged with what I was saying. And I was actually teaching the principles that I wrote in my book. And because of how present and tuned in, he was listening to me kind of a light bulb went off in my head of like, wow, if my older brother, who's kind of too cool for me, is that curious and interested in like what I'm sharing right now. Um, I said something like, you know, if I were to write a book right now, I guess this would be it. And it just started like, again, like very serendipitous. It just started coming together very fast. Um, and one of my limiting beliefs around writing a book was that, um, it would be a really painful process and that I wasn't a good writer. I couldn't write it myself. And, um, it was just going to be long and arduous. And I probably ideally would get a place on an Airbnb in the woods and, you know, write for months. Um, anyway, Fast forward, once I found out that I could have the book written for me and I heard from someone else that they had so much fun writing their book, it was like the blockage or the friction that was making me not able to receive the download was removed. And then the concepts just came through and I had the book of like the table of contents um, come through first. So the structure of the titles, chapter titles came through the meat of which each of those chapters would cover came through. And then I just started writing linearly from the first chapter to the end. And I think I wrote for like five hours a day for about a week. Um, and then it was complete. Uh, so it's really interesting when we are kind of blocking what's actually meant for us because of these blind spots or limiting beliefs, um, which create friction for what's trying to reach us actually, which in this case, what's this was the book. <laughs> Mm, yeah. And that, that, um, it's connected to some of the ideas in the book around expansion versus contraction, right? Yes. So when you start to feel, uh, like those kind of signals are information and insights and yeah. how a certain conversation makes your body kind of tighten up. Um, that's a signal for something. If you start to feel like you're expanding, um, that's a good thing. Like this weekend, I was having a great conversation with a friend. We were walking around the city and I could just I know what that energy was like. I could, I know like how I was feeling in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like, how do we remember those and compare that to like, that's, that's in our control, so to speak. Um, that's our body responding. And so there's not, you know, external things to that. Um, and so in the book, you have this, uh, a list of expansion tools, uh, maybe talk to us a little bit about maybe one that stands out and one that might be, a lot of them are actionable, but if there's one that just comes to your mind today of like, here's what's one thing somebody that's listening could do. Absolutely. So one thing that I feel like has the highest return on investment for the amount of effort and time it takes, you've heard it everywhere, which is just to focus on gratitude. You know, I think so often without realizing our brains are very intelligent, are kind of like impending doom generators and are focused on like what can go wrong. Right. So our minds, because they're intelligent and trying to help us are often like, what if scenarios, what if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What did, what did they say this? And so without 
consciously choosing, we're kind of in a state of fear, you know, without realizing it, just always anticipating what can go wrong, always anticipating kind of the discomfort or pain on the other side of something not going the way we want it to go. And so the way to combat that and start to rewire what your brain focuses on is to look at what am I grateful for? So one way to combat the fear is to just feel like, okay, I'm actually really grateful and very excited right now. <laughs> you know, so if I'm at to get on this podcast and say, there's a part of me that's like nervous, what is he going to ask me? Is it going to go well? Did he like my book? Um, then I might just say, you know what? I'm so grateful that David wants to have me on his podcast. And I'm so excited to be on this podcast with you. And just immediately I've rewired my brain to go from impending doom generator to now like grateful and excited, which is much more an expansive place that I call in the book. So, you know, in the spiritual world, they call these like frequencies or vibrations. And I don't use that language because I think it just turns off a lot of my clients. Um, but when you look at the things that are quote unquote, high vibes or high frequency, it's going to be things like peace, oneness, gratitude, joy, excitement. Um, you know, those are sort of the concepts that they consider high vibration, whereas like shame, guilt, fear are considered like low vibration. So one way that I kind of map it without using words that I think, um, are difficult to land for my clients is to use the word expansion, because when you feel expansion in your body, it's like tuning into that moment this week that made you happy, like that walk or conversation with your friend. And it's like immediately when you tune into it, your heart opens up, you feel unguarded, you feel safe, you feel grounded, you feel peaceful, you feel happy, you feel like filled with possibility. You're like, how do I do more of this? How do I create more joy in my life? And so I really just call it a state of expansion, which if you map it to the spiritual realm is like the high vibes of the high frequency, which is what um, allows you to start getting into the quantum realm. So in the spiritual realm, they think you could talk to angels when you're in your high frequency state. I, I say it allows you to bend reality. So, you know, defy odds, actually change the odds when you are able to consciously cultivate this physical state that feels like expansion versus that contractive state of like fear and shame and anger and, you know, even sadness. And, you know, one thing that I feel like is super important that my book is unique is that in stating is that, um, our emotions are actually very important to learn to be with because when we avoid feeling our sadness or our fear or our angst or stress or anxiety, we kind of numb them and stuff them down. And then they become these like stuck feelings in our body. So then it manifests as feeling stuck in our life, right? Like, Oh, I, I can't see a solution. I can't see other options. I feel stuck. I feel like no matter what I do, I, I feel stuck. Um, so those are signs to me that someone actually has emotions, which are just energy in motion that has become blocked in their bodies. And the reason this is so important is because, you know, you know, this is an entrepreneur is that when we're unwilling to feel fear of the unknown, to feel the fear of loss of control or not knowing what's going to happen, or, uh, we're afraid, afraid to feel disappointed, to make a mistake, to fail. All of those feelings are around taking risks, right? As an entrepreneur, if you can't be with those feelings, you're going to be really too afraid to take any risks in life. And so one reason I believe feeling our emotions and learning how to walk with them, how to walk with discomfort becomes such a game changer in your ability to be powerful with, you know, basically therefore free from any emotion that might block you from taking a risk that might stop you from going after a dream because you're afraid of failing that might, um, yeah, make you pause because you're afraid of what people might think, you know? So it's usually these 
feelings and emotions that we don't know how to be with that actually stop us from living the fullest life we can live. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. Um, you talked about gratitude and I used to work, um, shout out Chris Shembra and we used to, uh, he still does. Um, but when I worked with him, it was a virtual gratitude experiences. So we would, um, um, sell corporate experiences around gratitude, a transformational 90 minute virtual gratitude experience. And a lot of it was around pro-social gratitude. Um, so, you know, your example, which was around kind of, uh, we wire in your own mindset giving thanks and credit and gratitude to, uh, you generally said me in this conversation, but, um, talk to us a little bit about, um, somebody that has helped you kind of get to where you are today. We talked about the conversation with your brother. You talked about conversation with your partner, but is there anybody else that kind of jumps out in this moment of like, you know, what X, Y, Z person has helped help shape things in some unexpected ways? I feel like I could, you know, be on here for a while listing all 25 coaches because truly they've all helped. And this might be because it's just the most recent in my memory. But um, one person I want to give a shout out to is named Melanie Ann Lair. And um, she's such a phenomenal coach that I only discovered in May. And since discovering her in May, I've been tuning into her work almost on a daily basis. And, um, and that's quite unique for me. And, you know, I think you know, when you've done this work for years and you've, you know, tens of thousands of hours in this work and you start to feel like it all sounds the same and no one's really teaching anything new and, you know, all that stuff. And, but kind of to this point that I was speaking on, on embodiment and integration, like she is someone who, um, I think has become almost like a calibration portal, you know, how like a tuning fork, you kind of calibrate to a certain vibration. Um, and I know I said, I was going to use the word vibration, but I think it's like, you know, musically tuning fork. We understand that concept. I think that she is tapped into something that, um, just her transmission of like her words and her being create this like tuning fork for me, where it's just like, by listening to her on like a regular basis, I feel like my being stays in this very expansive state and has been able to anchor in another level of expansion that, um, I think was so critical for this time of my career when I was becoming more um, vulnerable and visible with putting a book out into the world. And, you know, I think um, for anyone who's new to like writing a book or even like posting a video online about yourself, it's, it's really scary. And that impending doom generator has never been louder than it's been recently. And no matter how much I've learned to remove contraction, release contraction, to stay in expansion, every time we make another leap to a level we've never touched before. So like, you know, I know my comfort zone of coaching now. Like, I know I'm good at that. I know I can do that well, but I've never written a book and I've never had to like do podcasts and talk about my work. And whenever we touch a level that's unfamiliar, that impending June generally, like the fears do not go away. That's the cool, interesting thing about it. And the thing that makes it worthwhile to learn how to get, uh, get over your fears is to know that no matter how much you succeed in life, there will be a new thing to worry about at every level of success. So the fears have only gotten louder more complicated, more intelligent sounding. Um, my impending dune generator, you know, has all sorts of things around like book sales and people and programs and, you know, just everything and, and Amazon reviews and just, you know, everything you can think of. Um, and I think having a place to have these kinds of conversations, like we were having on your podcast 
or having certain people in your life that become tuning forks, kind of like that friend who you had a great conversation with. It's like these become these anchors in our life that immediately allow us to attune to another state of being like another state of expansion that can be very hard to on our own, just, you know, internally wake up and do meditation and eat well and do all the things to get there. It also helps to have things in our environment, like our people and our home and, um, our partners and, you know, just our dogs, like whatever it is, but actually have anchors in our life that immediately help us attune to and calibrate to like this happy, joyful state. Um, and Melanie has been one of those people recently in my life. Amazing. And is she active mostly on Instagram or? Yeah, she, she does Facebook lives. Like most of her delivery is all over Facebook live. So you can check out her work. Amazing. All right, Victoria, is there, um, is there anything else that kind of jumps out that you want to make sure that we talked about for that high achiever, for that person that is uh, looking to have a more um, expansive life, expansive career? Uh, not at the expense of the things that we talked about, but is there anything else that you think that we missed uh, that you'd like to share? And before, and then after that, uh, please let listeners know how they can um, stay in touch and uh, continue to learn from you. Yeah. So one thing I just wanted to touch on for why, like I called the book bending reality uh, is because I believe that all of us are always bending our reality. We're just often doing so in an unconscious way. And when we're doing it unconsciously, chances are we're doing it in a way that ends up being quite unfavorable for us. And so I wrote bending reality because I really wanted to give readers the tools and the codes I call them to learn how to consciously bend reality and the direction they want. Um, and, you know, with these codes, truly like you can defy logic odds, change the odds, bend your reality, uh, and really make the impossible probable. I love it. And, uh, that's on uh, your website, Amazon. Yeah. Luckily, um, thanks to Simon and Schuster. Um, they are yeah everywhere where books are sold. Um, and yeah, so it's still available on my website, but ideally please leave an Amazon review. I would so appreciate that gratitude in advance to all of you who leave a review. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good, Victoria. Thank you so much for the special conversation. I feel expanded and I hope listeners do as well. Thank you, David. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.